What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnson's Jaw Raffs, of course. We've got Jays. We got them for days. Josh, how are you doing? I'm warning you right now. I'm not sure you're going to be happy with me at the end of this podcast. Okay. I mean, that can only mean one thing, but I'll... <laughs> what do you think that means? That means that you picked Indiana to win this conference. Maybe. See, that's the only thing it can possibly be. Um, welcome back. College basketball preview season well underway. We're like over halfway through. I guess halfway through. Exactly halfway this through. This is four. Yeah. We have four. We've done three. So this is the beginning of the second half of the season, if you will, in our college basketball preview series on our podcast feed already we've done the big east the acc and the big 12 um, and had a corresponding conversation with somebody uh, in and around the conference along with the preview podcast just with josh and i uh, the big east was lucas harkins at hardwired sports on twitter part of heat check college basketball then we talked to kendall kout uh, who wrote a book about the 2020 2020-2021 Baylor National Championship team. Uh, so we talked Baylor in the Big 12 with him. And then Brendan Marks from The Athletic for the ACC talking Duke and UNC. So if you haven't listened to those six total podcasts, uh, you can find them on our feed. But um, today's the Big 10. Do you have anything else you need to get off your chest before we hop into it? No, I just want to make sure you're mentally prepared. That's okay. I've, I'm always mentally prepared to fight about Indiana, so if that's what we're going to have to do, that's what we're going to have to do. Um, five categories we use to break down each conference, trying to talk about as many teams as possible. Um, first is the team that excites you the most. Um, second is the team that is the most intriguing to you, followed by storylines. Uh, how many teams from this conference can make the NCAA tournament? A slight difference from the ones that will, those that could, those that have a chance to and then of course it wouldn't be a preview pod without picking a winner i've laid the groundwork you got you, would you like to add anything any bricks any stones any no, landscaping good foundation get... okay perfect who's your most in, most exciting man we're off to a great start your most exciting big 10 team illinois that's correct uh, not entirely convinced it's gonna work but it's gonna be fun to watch see i am <laughs> Almost completely convinced it's going to work. You've got six starting caliber players in Sky Clark, RJ Melendez, Terrence Chan, and Matthew Meyer, Dane Danger, Coleman Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Three more four-star recruits you brought in. Luke Goody was a, at least able to contribute off the bench. He gives you something. I think he's going to end up being a good player by the time his Illinois career is over. You just look at it on paper. You look at what Brad Underwood has done. And to me, very simply, they have the highest ceiling in the conference, and it is not close. I would agree with that. Does that mean they reach their ceiling? I'm not willing to go that far. But if there's a big, right, if there's a Big Ten team capable of competing for a national championship, to me the answer is very easy, and it is Illinois. Are you really going to pick Indiana after you just said that about Illinois? I never said anything. Okay, I'm I'm all in my head about it now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I certainly agree with you on the ceiling part, and I've decided that. In Illinois has the two players in the Big Ten that we're going to feel completely differently about by the end of the season. In terms of a, like, Coleman Hawkins is kind yeah. of on this 
potential breakout, but not really. Like, if you were making a list of five guys, he'd probably be on it. But it's still a guy that averaged six points and four rebounds in 19 minutes a game last year. But there's no Kofi Coburn. And I think a combination of him playing eight to ten more minutes per game. At least. At least. um, Because, right, other than Coleman Hawkins, there's not a ton to point to immediately when it comes to production at the five spot. And the two guys that stick out in my mind are the two Baylor transfers, Dane Danger and Matt Meyer. Now, Dane Danger's been there for a little bit at this point, but there are no... right. Coleman Hawkins is the known entity in the front court to support your argument. I actually really like that trio, and I think Dane Danger is going to also be a guy we're talking about by the end of the season. But we haven't seen them in Illinois uniforms. We have seen Coleman Hawkins, Mm -hmm. and you've seen the potential... He has, definitely. Um, the other one is R.J. Melendez. Yep. I'm all in on R.J. Melendez. All in. It's one of the easiest breakout star picks. If for no other reason the other country. than because four points in eight minutes, there's, first of all, there's some efficiency there. <laughs> four points in eight minutes, like on average, is doesn't sound like a ton. But from a, you know, per 36 perspective, per 40 perspective, right, it's not... It's the exact same as a guy who's averaging fifteen point seven points across thirty two minutes per game, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a point for every two minutes that he plays, and I I think he's silky smooth. I think he's got great size. I think he's never in a hurry. From you know what we've watched of him so far, and the. The unreasonable deep dive I did into R.J. Melendez because I'm just excited about R.J. Melendez. Um, I think they have the two players. I think the way we're talking about... I'll put it this way. I think the way that we're talking about Illinois does not take into account... We being college basketball people. I just think those two guys are going to be better than anybody actually realizes. And if they realize that Coleman Hawkins was going to be an... 11 and 8 guy and RJ Melendez was going to go from like 4 to 13 that we would be talking about them a little bit differently. I certainly don't think it would be a question who was going to win the Big 10 if we really believed that. And um and so that those two guys are why I'm, I'm super excited. And we haven't even talked no. about Ter- the the two of the what five most anticipated transfers of last year at least from a yeah from a high major to high major perspective right you have your baylor shiremans and your yeah uh, definitely terran shannon maybe matt matthew myers a little bit lower on that list but right i mean terran shannon is an all big tight caliper player immediately you just plop in there and meyer could have gone anywhere in the country if he wanted Mm -hmm. to so at least from that perspective you had two guys and that maybe that's the best way to put it you had two guys that picked your program and they could have picked pretty much anywhere if they wanted to the one thing that I am curious about, that I think will determine Illinois' season, how this ultimately plays out, and that needs to be acknowledged because of the issues from last season. I've talked about this before with, for example, Villanova is the team that comes to my head immediately. Mm-hmm. Sky Clark hasn't played college basketball, and Sky Clark is going to be the one facilitating at least some of this offense. Yeah. And I think in the best form of this team, he's probably facilitating most of it. Yeah, 100%. That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. It is certainly different than Andre Carvello. Mm-hmm. And I was never big on the whole Trent Frazier thing. I mean, they had to do it because they didn't have another option. 
So, but he was never a point guard. Right, he's, he's just not a point guard. A scoring yes. guard. Yeah. He can get you 15 a game in the Big Ten. Not a shot at Trent Frazier. Right. No, no, no. Whatsoever. Big Trent Frazier guy. Yeah. He's just not a point guard. Yeah. So on one side of the equation here is, look, they actually have a point guard yep. that they didn't have last season. The other side is, well, this guy who hasn't actually developed, you know, delivered on the college basketball stage mm-hmm. has to do it for this team to reach their potential. Right. So it could go either way, but that's the other really thing I'm really curious about about this Illinois team is what does Sky Clark look like and what does that mean for this team? Right. And I that's that's the that's the biggest unknown here, yeah. right? Is is Sky Clark and right, he's coming off an ACL injury. That's another interesting part about his arrival in college basketball is that he's already coming off a by definition, a pretty traumatic knee injury from the you know from the standpoint of the recovery that that he has to go through. I like Sky Clark. I also like Ty Rogers a lot. Um, the other you know kind of yeah. good size. The recruiting six, six. class is good. <laughs> and those two guys specifically are right the the crown jewels mm-hmm. of this of this recruiting class. So right, I think Sky Clark needs to be good. Ty Rogers, you're hoping is yep. a productive bench piece and if he's putting pressure on anybody to you know step into the starting lineup that's a good thing for Brad Underwood's team but Sky Clark needs you know I've been hearing from the Purdue area about how good Braden Smith has been I would love to be hearing that about Sky Clark not that not that not hearing that doesn't mean that he's having a horrible preseason but Mm -hmm. if I was hearing that kind of thing from Brad Underwood I would be even more excited because you're right in in the sport in the sport when if you don't have quality point guard play I you mean you know me I think yep. there's a very real ceiling about how yep. how high you can go if you don't have a really quality point guard especially on a team with so many players reliant on somebody getting them the ball right right you look across the rest of this roster and it's it checks every single box mm-hmm. But this isn't a team. I mean, Terrence Shannon can do some of that for you. You know, you've got pieces here or there. Mm-hmm. But these are not a bunch of facilitators. They all fit into roles around a point guard. Right. So you need to have that point guard. Similar to last season where, I mean, yes, of course, they were very good. But did they really reach the level some people thought they could over the past two seasons? I'd argue no. I mean, I know they had a one seed, but that was kind of a strange, you know. Which is really interesting because I'm not sure I disagree with you. I think it's a little unfair. Right, and it probably is a little unfair. But do you know how many Big Ten games Illinois has won in the last three years? Oh, it's incredible. 44. Yeah. 44 Big Ten games yep. in the last three years. That's that's wild. So I think – now, in the COVID year, people were silly for being as like, – yep. like we That got was to, more what we, I was we got to We got to the beginning of the NCAA tournament that year, and you knew it was going to happen, that people were going to look way too hard at the yep. tournament and decide it wasn't Baylor or Gonzaga. Yep. Right. And Alabama was one of them, and, and Illinois was the other one. Yeah. Um, because people were just trying way too hard to be different at yep. the beginning. Of that For good reason. We had all been talking about the same two teams for yeah. four months at that point. Um. But, I mean, they backed up that 16-win Big Ten year with a 15-win Big Ten year. Yep. And the year before that was that year that you were it – was, it was a super trendy pick. And they won 13 games in conference that year. Yep. So, um, right, it, it's, yeah. it's a weird combination because I think, right, they have under-delivered in the tournament. And, and maybe part of that is because of point guard play. But short of that, they've been pretty darn spectacular. Yeah. And maybe they haven't under-delivered – but they haven't gotten 
quite to their potential the last two seasons, I would argue. Okay. There, there's another step, and maybe this roster isn't quite good enough without Coburn. We'll have to see. I just think there was there is another step they could have gotten to, and point guard play hampered that quite a bit. As That's good right. as they've been. That's all. Who did they lose to in that tournament? Loyola. Was it Loyola? Yeah, that's right? right. I think you're right. Eight seed? I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is I think in the in the last part about my excitement for Illinois is I I'm open to the idea that Kofi Coburn being the most important player on your team puts a very real ceiling yep. on versatility sure. and mm-hmm. just a ceiling on your ceiling. And separate style of play. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and, and, and that sounds like it's a knock on Kofi. It's not. It's actually the opposite. Because he was so dominant, he was so important to that team, that it would have been dumb for Brad Underwood to function in any other way other than, and especially last year, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago you had IO and you had... And you had Kofi, and so there were guys on both ends of the spectrum um, in terms of position that that you could lean on. But especially last year, everyone knew who the best player on that team was, and it wasn't especially close. So if we're if we're doing if we're gonna do anything, we're gonna cater to Kofi Coburn, yep. and we'll take whatever shortcomings follow as a result, right? And and everybody's gonna know what we're trying to do, right? Exactly. So in in, in just from like a you know, Kofi Coburn's never switching a ball screen. Coleman Hawkins can probably switch a ball yep. screen. And just from the versatility perspective, I'm very excited about that. Not that I'll go all the way to that's 100% gonna make the team better because I think that would be doing discredit to Kofi Coburn um, and just discredit to how big of a fundamental shift it will be in terms of the game Brad Underwood is trying to put yep. together. But I like if you made me choose choose between dominant interior force or a versatile basketball team that can kind of do a bunch of different things because they're not catering to this one guy, then I would pick the latter. Yep. Goes back to the conversation about ceiling, right? I I just think that there are a couple reasons why this team was never built to win a national championship the past two seasons, no matter what the record looked like and how good they were. This team on paper from a roster construction standpoint, I feel better about. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they're actually going to end up with a better record. But I am open to the possibility of them being one of the teams I'm really high on heading into the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. And the last two seasons, I haven't felt that way about Illinois. Sure. Your most intriguing team? Ohio State. Okay, good. We have two different ones. I've been talking about this for a little while, but just the idea that you bring in Isaac Likely and Sean McNeil and Tanner Holden, who averaged 27, 2.5, and 1.5 at Wright State. Mm-hmm. You still bring back Justice Suing. You bring back Zed Key, mm-hmm. big Zed Key fan. Now, Eugene Brown is the only other even remotely proven player since Seth Towns has stepped away. Right. Your bench is a bunch of four-star freshmen. Now, some of these are top 50 recruits, guys like Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton. The talent is solid. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of talent on that bench. It's just unproven talent. Mm -hmm. I just am really fascinated to see what Chris Holtman does with this group because this is a very un-Chris Holtman-esque team in a lot of ways where... You're, and the other part of this, too, for me, we've talked about this a little bit, is you're just completely rebuilding your backcourt. I mean, your backcourt is gone. Right. 
No, you... Replaced. When it wasn't supposed to be either. I mean, do we, right. do we really think Malachi Branham was going to be gone? If you asked, if you asked Chris, because we can play the whole, yes, he was a highly rated recruit yeah. thing. We can play that game. But if you asked Chris Holtman at the beginning of the year, did he really think he was not going to have Malachi Branham? I bet you he would say no. That, Probably that, more of that a two-year... That no, year... he didn't think he was going to lose him at yeah. the end of the year. Sure. Or at least hoping that was going to end up being the case. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm just and also you know you're post EJ Liddell now, so you don't have a proven All Big Ten stud mm-hmm. anywhere to be found. But which I, is the first time in a while yeah. because we went from Kade Bates Diab at yep. least for that first for that one year, and mm-hmm. he was productive at. Did he, did he spend more than one year at Ohio State? Yeah, I'm ninety nine percent sure about that. Was it was it four? Anyways, well, let's look. The, there there was that one year that he was one of the best. Players in the country. Yeah, he had four years. Okay. One of them he got hurt. Remember? Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but the point being is that we've had a quality interior guy mm-hmm. at Ohio State for a while now, and it's yeah. at least just not obvious right. who that guy is this year. So yeah, I just there's a lot of pieces. I'm always intrigued by Chris Holtman. Mm-hmm. I like the roster. It just all needs to come together, and that Chris Holtman is one of those guys you associate with continuity mm-hmm. and kind of knowing what you have and. I have no clue what he has, and I don't think he does at this point either. Do you think Ohio State fans are pleased with the Chris Holman era so far? You have to say yes. I mean, I would say yes. Not thrilled, but pleased. But you have to say yes. But we're also Butler. We're Butler graduates. Not from a we like Chris Holman perspective, but like, Ohio State went from Thad Mata. Like, and Thad yes. Mata... In within because no Kentucky fan ever should be upset with the Calipari era. But I bet if you asked a hundred Kentucky fans how they feel about the Calipari era, at least forty of them oh, would be like, oh, "I'm a little disappointed. We don't have more." I would argue it'd be way over fifty percent. And to me, that's, perhaps. And that is it. Unreal- the point being is that it's relative. Right. Yes. And is it unrealistic from a Kentucky standpoint? Sure, probably. But also, is it really fair to say he should have more than one? I mean. <laughs> Yes, with the you should have exactly one, one. right. You're not talking about that without now. The difference is, and the reason I, without hesitation, said yes, you should be pleased. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. I was at that Mata's last game coaching for Ohio State. They lost to what, oh, it was DC at the Big yes, Ten tournament. It was Rutgers. They lost to bad Rutgers. Did he look bad? It was bad. That program was in a. Now, of course, some of that was health issues. Yeah. This is not, I'm not here taking a shot at Thad Mata. Yeah, you have a vested interest in Thad Mata. <laughs> I won't take any Mata slander on the podcast. Just it, for a variety of reasons, most notably his health. And the Thad Mata apologist will tell you also the fact that everybody started sort of manipulating recruiting a little bit. And it became a different world because he wasn't getting Greg Oden and Mike Conley anymore. Right. It just, there wasn't a lot of energy and enthusiasm. It was time for a fresh start. Sure. And so to immediately go back to being a consistent top 25 team in the country, is it what Ohio State could be at its peak? No, no. That mod approved. You can win at a much higher level. You can win Big Ten titles. You can make Final Fours. Mm-hmm. But it's been satisfactory is the word I would go to. And I can also turn it around and say the most, the most, the, the most nationally relevant thing that's happened to Ohio State since Chris Holtman got there is that they lost to Oral Roberts in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, there was that one stretch where they were 
a top five team in the country for a little bit. Right, but no, that but was it, that year because it resulted in the two seed. Right, and then and they lost, lost Oral Roberts. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, which, that is the right. Which is, we, you and I both understand how fans work. So, yeah. like, people will point to yeah. that first. I, they haven't had clear, a lot of NCAA tournaments. To be successful. clear, I, I, I'm not interested in entertaining a Chris Holtman as a bad basketball yeah. coach and has failed at Ohio yeah. State. I'm not interested in that conversation because I just don't think, I think it's silly to suggest that. I just also think that Ohio State fans are um, used to a certain level of success <laughs> on on both ends of the spectrum, and mm-hmm. you know he can do it. You know he will have all the resources he could possibly need there, yep. but it is still a football school and a very successful one. Yep. Um, so, anyways, um, I, I I'm intrigued by Ohio State and the post EJ Liddell era, the post Malachi Branham era, um, if nothing else there, which sounds like he was there for a long time. But just a roster without those two guys is a big is a big switch there. And the guys coming back like do we like Justice Suing, do we have a ton of faith in Justice Suing? I mean I'm much higher on Zed Key. Zed Key could have a very, very good season without EJ Liddell. That's the only player I see yeah, to to your point, that's the only player I see taking a massive step forward that Mm -hmm. was on the roster last season. Sure. Um my most intriguing team is Michigan State. Ah. Because I just don't know how to feel about Michigan State. Here's their starting lineup, at least in the theory. Um, Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard in the backcourt. Yep. And then Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, and Mady Sissoko in the frontcourt. It's a pretty good starting five. And that might be the most uninspiring, pretty good starting five I've ever seen. Because that's five guys who... Who I think, apart from Mady Hisoka, who's going to have a major role for the first time in his college basketball yep. career, um, so that 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 can be a question there. But like Tyson Walker had like eight point two points, four point three assists in his first season in the Big Ten. All things considered, now was there room? Were, were there things left there to was be good desired? And there was bad. Was there <laughs> things left to be desired? Sure, but from a production point, that's that's. A fine place to start, but at the same time, he also left you scratching your head sometimes. Yeah. Um, I. And it's also this weird combination of yeah, there's lots and lots of experience coming back. They also lost Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, and Max Christie. Yep. Um, I just don't. And 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 to be like, like since Cassius Winston left, which isn't all that long ago, but like, I, I like I'm to this point where Michigan with Michigan State that I'm just. And maybe it's maybe it's Tom Izzo being a little bit hard headed in terms of the type of recruit he's willing to go get. I'm sure that's part of it, and his resistance to the changing nature of college basketball. Because yep. the other part of this is that Tom Izzo just doesn't seem to care about the transfer portal. Like no matter how important it gets every single year, it's just. I mean, I haven't talked about a transfer yet. Well, Tyson Walker. Well, right, but oh, they, this oh, wait, no, season they're, they're right. There are no. I mean. This is going to be... Now, you have two four-star recruits coming in, Jackson Cole or Trey Holloman. Right. But that was one of the, the things that has stood out to me looking at Michigan State. Is, oh, right, this is completely reliant on internal improvement. Yeah. They're, right. There is no replacing these guys with other ready-made college basketball players. And that's kind of the way it's it's mm-hmm. always been, but I think there's an argument, and I'm going to make the same argument for Indiana, that I'm just not sure internal improvement being the only thing you're leaning on is good enough in college basketball anymore. It's a very fair argument, and yeah. and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they'll prove me wrong, and they'll run win 15 games in the Big Ten, and they'll win the Big Ten, and I'll look like an idiot. But 
I'm just not like when I put the other rosters in the Big Ten side by side. Granted, it's not quite the same this year, and we'll get to that in our storylines. But I'm just I'm just pretty uninspired by the roster, which is maybe a little unfair, but. I, I just kind of think we'll be in the same spot that we've been in the last couple of years with Michigan State. It's like, man, they haven't really beaten anybody yet. They're, you know, they they have some games that they look pretty good, but then they just can't score the ball to save their lives, you know, sometimes and turnovers did, and turnovers, and then all of a sudden we're looking up and Michigan State's like the forty, the, you know, the thirty second team at Kempom. They have an okay. They have an okay non-conference resume. As long as they win 10 games in conference, they'll make the tournament as, you know, a back half of the single-digit seeds. And we'll go, once again, being relatively uninspired by them. And then we'll talk about right before the tournament, hey, it's a Tom Izzo's team in March. You don't want to play them. And then that's just kind of the way the season goes. Um, If you made me bet, I'd bet on that kind of season again. But when you look at the roster, it's a... Like it's not an unproductive one from what those guys have done individually as college basketball players. It just together when I see that starting lineup, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's and and so I'm intrigued by by all of this and just is is are are they really good in any meaningful way this year? You're, you're intrigued by the lack of intrigue almost. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, <laughs> two two things I want to point out before we get off Michigan State. Sure, actually, three if I did my. Counting correctly. Yes, three. One. <laughs> so if, many jokes about counting to two or three. Yes. <laughs> if this team is 500 by, you know, the middle of December, they're pull doing the great. Pull, pull the plug. Get them out. I'm just kidding. I'm messing no, with Well, the opposite. They're doing phenomenal. They're, the non-conference slate is pretty impressive. <laughs> I think it's, if assuming things go okay in Portland, I believe it will be nine consecutive games against high major opponents that includes Gonzaga, Villanova, and Kentucky. And I think those are three straight games. You keep talking. I'll go it find is a schedule a to make sure. It is a gauntlet. If this team is anywhere close to 500 in the Big Ten, they're going to make the NCAA tournament as long as they win some of these games. Um, okay, so they start off with a... With a, a doozy on November 7th against Northern Arizona. Yeah. A doozy. Don't forget about the Grand Valley exhibition game. Excuse me. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grand Valley. So you're right. You're right, GVSU. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, then we go Gonzaga on November 11th. Yep. Kentucky on November 15th. Villanova in the Gavit Games on November 18th. And then they play Alabama to begin the Phil Knight Invitational. And regardless of if they win or lose that game, they will play either UConn or Oregon. Yep. And then there's one more game in there that, in theory, is another high major opponent. And then they'll play Notre Dame, and then they get to yep. start Big Ten play. Northwestern. Penn now State. they get this beautiful two game stretch in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of December against Brown and Oakland and Buffalo. Oh, I don't actually know anything about Buffalo yet this oh. year, so I I wasn't going to disrespect oh, Buffalo okay. because enough, of their recent sure, enough sure, sure, success. Sure. Um, granted, with a different coach, but still. Yeah. Um, and, and that and, is the non conference schedule. And then they get to start. <laughs> You know, I have a I have a thing later in the in the in our storylines about this conference relative to the rest of the conferences mm-hmm. that I will save the rest of my kind of schedule thoughts on. But I will I I will say I didn't go and look at the non-conference schedule for Michigan State because I was sticking to the kind of the very tippity top of the conference, and I that was a disservice because like 
the a, a, a very big bulk of the biggest Big Ten non-conference games that they'll play <laughs> that the teams will play comes from this Michigan yep. State schedule. If they're 500, anywhere around there, I will go to bat all day and say they should what, make the NCAA tournament. That's just one to throw that out. What there. is our over under for Michigan State on on December on, on December first on December fourth when they play Northwestern? They will have played four. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight regular four. season games. Four. If they can get four, I was thinking about this this week. If they can get four and then split those, one of those that win half of those, or get both of those Big Ten games that are both winnable. Mm-hmm. I think if you get five out of those nine, you're in a really good spot. Okay, That's, and and I don't think they uh, now, after do they actually after Northern four? Arizona, I don't think they play a team that they're that they should beat until. I mean, you could argue Notre yeah. Dame, but like. That's in South, in South Bend. Bend right. I'm exactly. not sure yeah. that I'm willing to go all the way to Michigan State to win that basketball yeah. Maybe game. Maybe it's even three. I think four four is you're in a really good spot. If you're if you're four and four when you play Northwestern yeah. on December fourth, yeah. then then I might go all the way to Michigan State and say <laughs> like if the AP voters didn't just look yeah. and see who lost <laughs> in the way that they do. Yeah, and make their decisions based on that. Then a four and four Michigan State team should be a top twenty five team, yeah, absolutely, because they've had to have beaten two teams that are really good. So, just wanted to point out that I've never seen a schedule like this for a team not named Gonzaga. And uh, at what point is it just a little silly? It could very well get to that point. Like, like we do this. Every, like, is at one point during the non conference schedule every year says something to the effect of, "Yeah, that was kind of a lot." <laughs> And then he did it to an extreme. Yeah. Right. Now there's not as much travel. I think one of the things he regretted that right. one year was the travel, and they went all over. They Kingdom went like Come. Hawaii, and then back. Yeah, to, yeah, back for a game, and then to yeah. New York. It was a mess. I just wanted to acknowledge the schedule. The other two things: somebody's got to guard the interior. I mean, it's Monty Sissoko, but Marcus Bingham Jr.'s athleticism and interior presence is the thing that this team is missing from last season. Right. If that's not replaced, there's a major problem. And finally. You talk about this being sort of uninspiring and kind of blah. Generally, I'm with you. The one thing this team does really well is shoot the basketball. Max Christie was the fifth or sixth best three point shooter on this team last season. You've got three. It's a pretty 40, good spot to be in. You've got three forty percent three point shooters coming back. That are going to play key roles on this team in Hauser, Hall, and Walker. I couldn't believe when I was looking back at the stats how well they shot the ball last season. You know what? I was, you know, because I didn't I didn't dive super deep into the statistics of this Michigan State team. Um, I was about to say something to the effect of hopefully somebody shoots the ball well. And that was just wrong. <laughs> that was just wrong. Yeah. Um, they really, now, no, they couldn't do anything other than that last season. Now, the, the only thing that you can point to Right, is that the two guys that did take... Because, right, Tyson Walker did shoot 47% from three. He also only took two a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Malik Hall also shot 42% from three. He took less than two per game. Yeah. The two guys that took and made at a high level... Now, Max Christie was the... Max Christie had a bad three-point shooting year, yeah. 31%. But I think we... I mean, He's I think, a better shooter than that. Right, and like teams were still scheming to make sure Max yeah. Christie didn't get open sure. three-point mm-hmm. shots. I think you might even be able to argue that that was one of the main things they were trying to stop, which yep. is why he had a difficult yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other guy who shot almost 40% and did it on five and a half shots per game was Gabe, Gabe Brown. Right. So the right clearly there are guys who can knock down shots. Um, it's But it, like they're going to shoot more than... 
you know, yep. th- that combined with the guys coming back is just over six. So they're going to shoot more than that. Can yep. the efficiency st- can the yep. efficiency stay at that level? Yep. Which it won't because it, that's just not how it works. But right. at least at a respectable clip. So that is the other thing I wanted to point out is yeah, they weren't the high volume guys. They got the benefit from kind of picking their spots. Right. But I was stunned how well this team shot the ball. Yeah. Based on what I remember I, from I, last I, right, Okay, thank you. I'm not. I'm not on my own because in my head it was yeah, Max Christie and Gabe Brown. Yeah. So and Max Christie would have by de- by at least a statistical definition would have been wrong. Um, but okay, yes, Michigan is my Michigan State is my most intriguing team uh, heading into the season for all of those things we just discussed. On to storylines. On to storylines. Um, let's start in a really just. Big spot. Is there a top 15 team in this conference? I had the same thing. I, I asked the question, is anybody elite? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be... Uh, Indiana, the Big Ten preseason media poll picked Indiana to win this conference, and it wasn't particularly close. 28 media members, 19 of them picked Indiana to win the conference. And then it was like nine, it was like eight or something, seven... For Illinois, and then there was like an Iowa, Purdue. I looked at this last night. This mm-hmm. is why I know off the. Yeah. I looked at this for my full time job, so this is why I know the media voting, <laughs> you know, breakdown. But like, there was one Purdue, there was one Iowa, and I think there was one other. Um, Indiana is bringing back literally the exact same team plus a five star freshman yeah. who I really like. Yeah. Um, but that five-star freshman doesn't remedy the thing that we're all asking about Indiana heading into this season. And they were a 12 seed last year. Yep. And they're supposed to go from being a 12 seed to winning the Big Ten. Nine, like that. Ninth best team in the conference. Right. To winning the Big Ten. That's yeah. what we're talking about here. That is the favorite. The, like, the bonafide favorite. Right. Like, everyone seems to agree that that's the favorite in the conference yep. this year. And... And it's a combination of like, yeah, we're expecting that team to get a little bit better, but also the Big Ten has just kind of come backwards yep. this year. Yep. Um, and so as a result, it is like we there wasn't a top twelve. Like that's a, that's a twelve seed. That's barely getting into the tournament. It's the first fourteen, right? They were literally a first yes. fourteen. They had to win to get to the round of sixty four. Yeah. So, I I don't have. I mean, that was exactly where I was going to go with it, and. Again, I, we talked about the Illinois ceiling. To me, that is the possible team that addresses this issue, but I'm not convinced it actually happens. The other thing I want to throw out here in terms of what this could mean, I was thinking about this, mm-hmm. and what could, how could this benefit the Big Ten? Interesting. Talk to me more about that. Could this finally be the season where we don't go into the NCAA tournament talking about how all these Big Ten teams should make the Elite Eight in the Final Four, and they don't, and then we all talk about how incredibly disappointing and overrated this conference is because it's not possible to do so because nobody thinks any of these teams are good heading into the Big Ten tur- big, the NCAA tournament, and the Big Ten comes out massive winners like the Pac-12 sometimes does because nobody's paying attention because none of these teams are title contenders, and all of a sudden... Somebody makes the, you know, you got two we're, teams. We're going to do the ACC thing. Exactly. What happened to the ACC last season? Yeah. Can the Big Ten finally get the benefit of the under-the-radar sort of revisionist history stuff that I can't stand instead of being on the negative side of it like they are, it feels like, every season? That's interesting. Which came in, thought came into my mind when I was thinking about the, yeah, lack of clear top teams here. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair question to ask. 
the Big Ten might have surpassed that point where we ever really believe in them as, or where we we ever really don't believe in them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Usually, there's a team but, to point to, though, right? And they're just that's fair. Might not be this season. We'll see. I, I think that's a very, but yes, in general. Like, if you told me that the best team at Kempom in the Big Ten this year was, like, the 16th best team, yeah, I wouldn't be stunned at all. Right. Wouldn't exactly. be stunned at all. And it would probably be Iowa because they'd just be second in offensive efficiency, <laughs> even if they were third in the conference. Um, where do you want to go next? So my second storyline is whose concerns get addressed here. Illinois is trying to fit all these new pieces in. Iowa is reliant on having, as you just so timely, you know, so what's the word I'm looking for? In a timely manner mentioned, mm-hmm. that was bad English, I apologize. That's okay. I was reliant on having a top five offense in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, could it happen again? Sure, it could always happen with Iowa. Right. But also, what happens if you don't have a first team All-American? Because that might actually be a thing that occurs this season. And <laughs> right? also, I wouldn't be stuck. Right, it's possible. It is entirely possible that this streak continues. My point is just you've had one of the best five players in the country three seasons in a row now. Yeah. Maybe yeah, there hasn't player... been a first-team All-American team without an Iowa player right. since before the pandemic. What is right. going on? It might just be that you have, you know, a top-20 player or something. Right. What does that mean for Iowa? Then, okay, Michigan. Yes, you have Hunter Dickinson. And then... Your most accomplished high major players are Terrence Williams, who averaged less than five points per game, and Joey mm-hmm. Baker, who averaged four and a half at Duke. Mm-hmm. Joey Baker, what a name. Again, terrific recruiting class. Jalen Llewellyn coming in from Princeton. He put up big numbers. Michigan has gotten good, not great results from their transfer guards, I would argue. You know, yeah, they're, they're, I mean... Devontae Jones was slightly disappointing. Mike, Mike Smith, Smith was, was awesome. over, right, yeah, over Mike achieved. Smith was awesome. Yes, but yeah. he was really good. Especially relative to expectations. Right. So. But generally speaking, I think that's fair to at least have a conversation about it. So Jalen Llewellyn may be good. Is he sort of the answer to everything? Right. And the other part about this Michigan team to the recruiting class, you know what Juwan Howard has failed to do for all the things he's done so well? Is actually get a recruiting class to live up to its its potential. Right? His best Mm. teams were the veteran teams. Mm-hmm. Look what happened last season, and we're in a similar situation where it's Hunter Dickinson and all these recruits, and they're not yeah. five-star guys. They're, you know, high fours. Yeah. Now, could it be different this time? Sure, but I need to actually see it. It's a good point. Purdue. Outside of Zach Eady, David Jenkins Jr.'s 8.5 points, the Utah transfer is the most of these players coming into this team. You have six guys with meaningful college basketball experience that were on the team last season. Mm-hmm. Now, you also have your X-Factors. Trey Kaufman, Ren, Fletcher, Loyal, and as you, Fletcher Lawyer, and as you already mentioned, Braden Smith. Mm. Could it all come together? Sure. Could Braden Smith be one of the best freshmen in the country? Sure. Need to actually see it happen, though. And those were, were those all of my teams? And then we talked about Michigan State lacking the star power. Oh, and finally, maybe this is where we get to the Indiana portion of this podcast. You don't win Big Ten titles in the preseason. Nope. I need to see you do it to actually believe this team is the best team in the Big Ten. I don't care what it looks like on paper. I don't care what the other rosters look like and that the logic says this might be the best team in the conference on paper. I just don't care. I'm with you. So all of these teams that theoretically could win this conference, 
had these big question marks for me. So who figures out the problems because that team might end up winning the whole thing? Josh, I, w- I want to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it, okay? okay. Which is typically what you want me to answer. I would be concerned if you didn't want me to answer uh, it. Um, w- what I want you to, the question I want you to answer is, why will Indiana actually put a better product on the floor this season than they did last season? When if What are the, the two, the three things that if you had to bet on Indiana being a, like, why will they be better other than the Big Ten is worse? You want to know what my actual answer to this question is that doesn't really answer your question? Sure. I was trying to find a reason to believe Indiana would actually win, mm-hmm. and I did come up with one. Okay, hit me. Which is, when Indiana finishes over 500 in Big Ten play, yeah. they win the conference. Is that the last time they finished over 500? I believe it's the last two. It was... 2016 the, was the last time they won the conference. And the year, the other time before that was... The Cody Zeller team, right. where they were legitimately at one point the best team in the country in a one seed. Was Oladipo on that team too? Yes, I believe okay. so. Or maybe it was two out of three. I don't remember off the top of my head. Sure. But the point being, it's not like they're ever fourth in the conference. Sure. They have they're had. Either, these... They're either 10th or they're first. Exactly. <laughs> so that was the reason I came to. Other, I, I mean. Yeah, you've got Jalen Hood Shafino, so that is if and maybe that would be the other thing is all it's not like he's the first highly touted recruit to be thrown into this group during Trace Jackson Davis's tenure. Right. And none of them have really produced. No. Some of them aren't even at the program anymore. No. So maybe if you get another guy who's a difference maker now, does he solve I'm assuming you're gonna talk about the shooting problem. Oh, uh, I can't wait to talk about the shooting problem. He's not the solution to that. But if he's another guy who you have to go pay attention to, right. and becomes a high-level scoring option for this team. It opens things up a little bit. That's all I got, though. I, I, you know, I over the summer, I got to host one of the Indiana's, like, weekend sports talk shows. And I we talked to Dustin Dupirak, and we, I asked him, Dustin, why, why is Indiana going to be better this year? And... You know, we talked about a couple things. But then at the end, he said, yeah, the biggest part about this is that the Big Ten is coming back to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Like back, like not back to Bloomington, back towards them in terms yes. of the tippity top of the conference. The bar is way lower. Right. And like, I just refuse to be excited about a team that that's the first thing we talk about. And I said this, maybe it was last week that. I'm, I'm, I more and more, and I want to write about this. I want to go and find like the five most recent teams that we've been the highest on based on continuity, <laughs> and actually look at how if they overachieved, underachieved, mm-hmm. were better than they were the year before um, now, relative Bay- to their expectations. The one I can think of was Baylor. Okay, Baylor was now. Maybe people weren't quite quite as high for year two. The pandemic canceled uh-huh. season uh-huh. where they were for a while the best team in the country and had that massive winning streak. Right. But you're coming into year three. I think everybody went, those dudes are back. They're going to be ridiculous. Sure. Um, I would also argue that there's a different and, and specifically in the that team wasn't any good last year. Right. Why are they going to be? And that's this the year? difference. Sure. Um, because Indiana wasn't any good last year. Right. And I can't come. I can't find anybody who's like these are the three reasons that they're going to be better. 
because there aren't three. It's it's Jalen Hood Shafino is here, and the Big Ten sucks. Those are the two reasons. And and I just will free, they, they didn't add anybody to the roster that can shoot because Jalen Hood Shafino is a talented get to the rim and finish around the yeah. rim guy. But like your best player. And we keep being told that Ray Thompson is a better three-point shooter this year. I'll believe it when I see yeah, it. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say, is maybe Jackson Davis and Ray Thompson are able to space the floor a little bit more. Jackson and, Davis still hasn't made a three in yeah. college. Not, not like, hasn't made one. Yeah. And, which is which is fine, but, like, that only works. And and all of it, like, it is truly a shame that Trace Jackson Davis is never going to be on a team that shoots the three ball well. Because every time he gets it, he's triple teamed. Yep. At least, like, it might look like it's one-on-one, but really there's a guy in front of him that's kind of peeking over his shoulder. There's a guy yeah. behind him that's Shading. right there. And can- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, the they were 200th, 200th in the country in three-point shooting last year. That's the best three-point shooting team that Trace Jackson Davis has played on. Yikes. Now, they're they're all in between, like, 200 and 206. Like, they're always around it's the It's the exact same thing every year. Yeah. Right. And, 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 like, it's not just that I'm, like... It's not like there's even guys that I, because I'm an Indiana hater and I recognize that, it's not even like I'm overlooking somebody that clearly has a potential to be the best three-point shooter on this team. Xavier Johnson is the best returning three-point shooter, and from a, from a statistic standpoint, was a fine three-point shooter, 38% from the field last year. But like I was at the Crossroads Classic when the entire building was booing Xavier Johnson because he had missed seven straight threes and took an eighth one now at the same time he had a two-game stretch in the middle of february maybe one moment he had a stretch in late february where he went seven of nine across two games so like it's a very much give and take thing and miller cop the guy who was supposed to come from northwestern and be a good three-point shooter hasn't even touched his percentages at northwestern I like Jalen Hutchifino. I really like Trace Jackson Davis. Um, and I think he's like, like we're, we're acknowledging him as one of the best players in the country. But if you asked anybody, if you asked 100 people to give you their national player of the year, I'm not sure anybody would say Trace mm-hmm. Jackson Davis. Big time preseason player of the year, though. Right. You know, it's been 15 years since a Indiana player won Big Time Player of the Year. Yogi Ferrell didn't do it. Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller didn't do it. Victor Oladipo, Oladipo did. DJ yeah. White in 2008 was, really? the last, was the last Big Ten player. I would, I would have said it was that one terrific team Tom Crean had that nope. was the number one seed. Wow. Nope. They were number one seed, but it was... They also had a couple guys, so it was yeah. hard to... I can't remember who won it last year, but I was like, oh, okay, that's right. It was a guy that I was like, okay, yeah, that, yeah. Guy, was, that guy was spectacular. Um, I, like... It would unlock everything. Like, like, if they do find shooting... They're going to be really, really good because Trace Jackson Davis will be able to, will have guys to throw to and guys that, that the other team's going to actually have to guard. And Jalen Trufino is like, he's probably like Romeo Langford was really, right. It's either hit or miss. Like it's either Christian Lander with the highly ranged mm-hmm. recruits or it's Romeo Langford who went on to be a lottery pick. Um, and still didn't have it particularly. Oh, he had a better year than you think he did. Okay. Fair enough. Um, because I had the same thought. Because originally the thought was, does a freshman ever really succeed yeah. there? He was. I was. I would say good, not great. Is that fair? Romeo Langford in his one year of college averaged sixteen five oh. and two. Okay, fair enough. Shooting on forty five. Oh, on forty five percent from the field. Fifty. Now he's a bad three point shooter, but 
Um, yeah. Okay. But no, that's better a, than I thought. A much better yeah, better year than, I than I thought. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I kind of had the same. I had kind of the same, but um, thought originally. Um, but it, like, if there were just driving lanes for Jalen Hutchinson, because he, I think he pairs nicely in the backcourt with Xavier Johnson and Trace. Like, if if Race Thompson could get to the point where he can just stand on the three point line instead of having to stand right next to Trace Jackson Davis on in the interior, yep. it, it, like like they are so. And this is why. After everything I've just said, like, it, it's just, it really is the make or break question for Indiana, yep. right? Like, most good teams, like, you can't really, like, you don't really want to call it a make or break question because it's more of a pressing issue, yeah. right? UNC, like, like, the most right. prevalent issue. Right. Pete Nance being good at UNC and replacing Brady Manick is a really pressing question. It's not a make or break question right. for UNC, yep. though. This actually might be a break, make or break question for mm-hmm. Indiana. Like, if they have two guys, you know, two guys in the starting lineup who are really respectable three-point shooters and another guy who comes off the bench and shoots 37%, then then let's roll. And, and especially if Huchifino translates immediate, which I think he will. He's got a college-ready body. He is—I I really like Huchifino. But if not, like, there's going to be nowhere for Huchifino to drive because Trey Jackson Davis and Race Thompson are both already going to be down there. And— Right, the best way to use Trace Jackson Davis is just give him the ball in the post because he's got great touch and he's very crafty down there, and it, it would it would unlock a whole lot of stuff. Yep. And but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be unlocked because they didn't add anybody who can shoot the basketball. And it could be as simple as if Race Thompson becomes a respectable three point shooter, it might just be that. Right. But we're a long way from that actually being a reality that you can consistently rely on. We do. We, Mike Woodson has done a ton of. Well, that guy's a better three-point shooter than his statistics suggest. I don't give a darn how good of this three-point shooter you actually think he is. If he shoots 31% from the field from deep, right? then it doesn't matter how good he actually is, how you think he is. It just matters if, you know, Tom Izzo is going to actually guard Jordan Geronimo. Like, that's what matters. And um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Thank you for letting me talk about IU. Um, I... I the nicest thing I can say about IU is that I'll believe it when I see it. Do you have any more storylines? Because I want to save my other one for the end. I have two more. Okay. Um, Go for both of them. Okay. Um, the first one I'll just start with is who's the best perimeter players in the league? Mm. Um, because it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of group of guys that I think have a chance. It's Jalen Pickett at Penn State. It's Chucky Hepburn at Wisconsin. I mean. Two teams we haven't talked about yet, yep. and I'm not sure either of those teams are going to be all that good, but those two guys could be really good. Um, can Xavier Johnson put together a consistent year because it's the other part of IU? Um, is it a, Are there freshmen that are part of that conversation? Because, right, in theory, there are three kind of... The, there are three borderline. There are two locks for first team Big Ten in Hunter Dickinson and Trace Jackson Davis, and then I'm missing one. Oh, and Zach Eady. Zach Eady. Zach Eady averaged 14 and seven on 19 <laughs> minutes a game last year. If he plays 28, he's right. gonna average 16 and 10. Like yeah. it's just going to happen. Um, but who are those other two guys? Who are the 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 collection of guys kind of fighting for those that that spot is the best perimeter guys in this conference? Because right, you you're your Jay Nivies are gone. Um, your Malachi Brams are gone. Your Johnny Keegan Davis, Murray. Keegan Murray. Um, I guess Chris Murray is probably the guy that you point to first yep. there. But in terms of like, that's not a point guard. Like, right, right. In terms of these, those guys that you would consider a one or a two 
in the you know in in the position uh, categories. Um, I think I think that that kind of pedigree is up for grabs. That's one. Um, and the other part is that I just like if you told me none of them came from the teams that are actually fighting to win the conference, yep. that I'd believe that. Yep. Um, so that's interesting to me. Can and I, then, can I throw one more name in there quick? Yeah. I did a little bit of a deep dive because you gave me a hard time about this. So I want to throw Boo Booey's name in there. First as a guy okay. who's already an accomplished scorer in this league. Yeah. And number two. So I mentioned at the end of one of our podcasts that Brian McIntosh is a Northwestern assistant coach. Right. <laughs> so, of course, I had to look at their assistant coaches. Of course. You want to know who else is an assistant coach at Northwestern? Who? <laughs> Taylor Battle. Is he really? Oh, I love Taylor. You can inject Taylor Battle Penn State highlights into my if veins. Boo Booey is not the best guard in the country. I would be slightly disappointed working with those two guys every single day. I love that. That is Just fantastic. Throw that out that there. is fantastic. I'm I'm all in on Northwestern. I'm all in. Um, the last thing I have is how this league stack up in non-conference. So here are so we and I already admitted that I omitted Michigan State from this. Um, because quite frankly, like it's either they're going to factor into, like, we're going to know how good Michigan state is like, at least going into conference, like either Michigan state is going to be part of the big 10 conversation relative to the rest of the country, or it's not. And mm-hmm. when you get to big 10 play, it doesn't matter. So them figuring it out in big 10 play is irrelevant for the purposes of this conversation. Um, the four teams I did look at are IU, Michigan, Illinois, and uh, IU, Michigan, Illinois, um, Ohio State and Purdue. Those are the teams I looked okay. at. So this season, IU plays at Xavier versus UNC versus Arizona and at Kansas. We're going to know all about yeah. IU. That's, that is helpful in terms of figuring out how to evaluate the Big Ten heading into conference play. And, We're going to get some good tests for and IU. And then I also looked at what they did in non-conference last season. So here you go. IU lost to Syracuse in double overtime. Oh, I remember that game. And yep. beat Notre Dame at the Crossroads Classic. Yep. Those were their two big games. Yep. Michigan, they play they play Virginia, Kentucky, and UNC in non-conference. Love it. Last season, they lost to Seton Hall, Arizona, and UNC. They had a bad non-conference. Yep. Now, Arizona was elite. Seton Hall was fine. And UNC, like UNC at that point was not <laughs> right. like you, the right. UNC that they became yep. to be. But at least they had a Final Four team somewhere inside of them. Yep. Um, Illinois this year plays UCLA and Texas. Last year, they lost to Marquette, Cincinnati, and Arizona. Their three biggest non-conference games, they lost all three. Um, Ohio State plays at Duke and versus UNC this year. Um, last season, they lost to Xavier and Florida. They beat Duke and yep. Seton Hall. First team to beat Duke, I believe. I believe so. I believe you're right. Because I believe Duke was the number one team in the country yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Purdue gets Marquette and West Virginia. Last season, they had a they had a really spectacular non-conference that was highlighted yep. by beating UNC and Villanova in that um yep. week tournament yeah um also so, blew the doors off florida state right yeah so so make of that what you will but i think if i were to read through, through those again quickly i think we would come to the conclusion that the big 10 was a little underwhelming against the rest yep. of the country last year um and like right they could all beat up on each other in big 10 play we could get to a point where we're like yeah illinois had a really great big 10 conference performance yep but if they go out and early in the season they just lose to ucla and texas like it doesn't like i'm not especially interested in having that conversation relative to the 
rest of the country at that point. Maybe it's just so good it's like hard to ignore. But the point being is that last year they didn't do a ton for themselves relative to the rest of the country. Um, apart from Purdue and, and Wisconsin that, is the other team I want to throw in there. Oh right, I, I kind of came. I out don't of have Wisconsin. Right, Wisconsin came out of nowhere. It, it doesn't fit into your. I don't larger... think they're going to be great this year. Yeah, so that's why they yeah, weren't on. Yeah, here. yeah. But in terms of those teams that we're looking at, okay, these teams we think have a chance to be the best team in this conference, relative to and especially yep. IU and Illinois. IU and Illinois had horrible yep. performances in non-conference last year. Um, they they have chances this year. Those two teams combined, they play Xavier, UNC, Arizona, UCLA, and Texas. The the chances are going to be there. Yep. Uh, we'll see if they take advantage of them. Yeah, I the, the two things I was trying to think of what else sort of the conversation surrounding the Big Ten heading into conference. Wisconsin was part of it. It was what in the world did they just do? Or is right. that legit? Turned out it was. And number two was Thanks to Johnny Davis. Yeah. <laughs> number two was Purdue is just way better than the rest of this conference. I just, that's how I remember it mm-hmm. because they looked like the team you and I both expected them to be. Right. And to your point, the other teams you were looking at, okay, Michigan was supposed to be right there with them and non-conference, it was very much a, mm, not so sure about that. Right. And it's not like Illinois got things going immediately. Now, part of that was Kofi Coburn was gone for a little bit and they, they weren't whole for the entirety right. of non-conference. But I'm right there with you that to me, the only team that – really stayed in the national conversation from start to end was Purdue. And by the end of the season, we were talking about how disappointing Purdue had been before the NCAA tournament and And, then St. Peter's happened. And how none of us could could really buy into Purdue because of their defense. Yes, and still not exactly understanding how that team performed that way. Right, Right. they did have some stinkers, that's right. Yeah. So that to say, A, the non-conference was not necessarily indicative of how the conference played out because, of course— Wisconsin was the one team that actually kind of showed up from start to finish outside of Purdue. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you're going to have a different conversation heading into the postseason where we're not talking about, well, maybe Purdue will get it together as a three seed or whatever they were. I think it was a three. Right? That was what we were talking about for the Big Ten heading into the tournament. Yes, it would have been because they – Right, can, 15. St. Peter's yep. was a 15. Right. That was a – well, I mean – you could pick them to make the final four. It's possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, Michigan, they always show up. So they, you know, sweet 16, they do it every single season. Yeah. In a very literal way. It's quite impressive. I think it's five or six straight years they made the sweet 16. Side note. But, right, you weren't talking about anybody. And now you have an opportunity with these games and with these teams that if the IUs and Illinois of the world start well yep. and then deliver in conference play, we could be having a different conversation about the Big Ten heading into the NCAA tournament than the one I think you and I both believe we're going to be having as we sit here today. That's all I've got. What's your last one? Okay. Is this where I'm I'm going to be mad at you? Yes. Okay. So this just transitions into NCAA tournament teams because I kind of cheated. Okay. The other thing I'm really curious about... Oh, is this why I'm going to be mad at you? Are you going to tell me that all 14 teams have a chance to make the tournament? No. 13? (laughs) You're close. <laughs> okay. Is and part of this is there are like so many questions, and as you mentioned, a lot of the players that are coming back as established, high level, produce production guys in this conference are not playing for the best teams in it. Now, of course, you have your Zach Edies, your Trace Jackson Davises, your Hunter Dickinsons, etc. Sure. But there's what, no way you're putting Minnesota as a chance to make the tournament. There's no way. <laughs> There are the middle of this conference. I have no idea what to do with. Sure. So, 
there are teams that I feel confident are going to make the NCAA tournament. And then there are all these teams that I just don't know. And interestingly, I'm going to see if I, well, I don't think I actually wrote this down. There was a whole slew of Big Ten teams right behind Rutgers and Ken Palm last season. Okay. It was Maryland, Penn State, and Northwestern. Okay. We're all within eight spots or something of the Rutgers team that made the NCAA tournament. Okay. You already mentioned Jalen Pickett. Seth Lundy is also back for Penn State. Yep. Kevin Jai is the highest, second highest rated recruit in program history. Cameron Winter comes in as a three-time All-CAA selection at Drexel. I love what Micah Shrewsbury is doing. That team was not that all that far off last season. Yep. Had their two key players back and added... Guys who can actually make a difference through the transfer portal and traditional recruiting. Maryland, you still have Akeem Hart and Dante Scott. Donald Carey averaged 13.5 at Georgetown. He comes in. Jameer Young was basically giving you 20 at Charlotte. Now, they lost a lot, particularly in the backcourt. Yes. This is a Kevin That's Willard. That's a big question with them. This is a Kevin Willard team, though. I'm not willing to completely write them off. Not I also, completely. I also think they're probably the 11th best team in the conference. Right. Then, we've talked about Wisconsin a little bit. Okay, Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall, yeah. And then you've got you know Max Kuzmik, Kamari McGee coming in as transfers. Does Jacoby Neath take a huge step? Again, Greg Gard, this Wisconsin team, out of respect for what they did last season, I'm not going to rule them out. Mm-hmm. But on paper, I'm not in love with what I see. Rutgers, the Ron Harper, Geo Baker era is finally over. So you got Cliff Amore, Paul McKay, Kale McConnell, really good foundational pieces. Mm-hmm. But that roster is not as good as last year's. No. Because that team barely made the NCAA tournament with Ron Harper and Geo Baker. Right. Which leads me to my bold prediction here. And the other team I didn't mention, which is Northwestern. Okay. They were 87th in Ken Palm last season. That one I did write down. Okay. I think Rutgers was 77th or 79th or something. Okay. Already mentioned Boo Booey. You've got plenty of roster continuity. Yes, you lost Pete Nance. But basically outside of that, your core pieces are are back. Penn State and or Northwestern is going to make the NCAA tournament. Penn State's on my list of teams that can make the NCAA tournament. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. So I can talk myself into 12 of the 14 teams in this conference making the NCAA tournament. Nine made it last season. And there are seven I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. So I'm just fascinated how things sort of stack up between Northwestern, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers and Wisconsin in particular. Okay. Because you got a lot of teams that have a history of success or recent success in the in the case of Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, the two teams I might like better than both of them, who, you know, I don't know when the last time Penn State went to the NCAA tournament and Northwestern has made it once. Uh, <laughs> right. In a, an important year for Chris Collins. So that is my my other thing is I if you really my, my answer to who can make the NCAA tournament is twelve teams. I have ten. Okay, so uh, not too far off. Then. Um, and and if you if you tied me to a chair and made me add Maryland just because it's Kevin yeah. Willard, mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. be all that against and, that. I mean, it was nine last season, right? So is it going to be eleven? No, but it could be nine again. And the same thing we talk about literally every. Um, yep. Two thousand ten eleven was the last time Penn State made okay. the tournament, and. Uh, Oh, please. And do you know who the leading scorer Taylor on that Battle, basketball baby. team was? Taylor Battle. 24-3. Oh, my. <laughs> look at that. Look at, look, at the, look at the experience on that team. Th- top three scorers were seniors. Tim oh. Frazier. 
Tim Frazier, that was kind of pre-Tim Frazier turning into Tim Frazier yeah. because Tim Frazier then went on to average, yeah, he, you know, he got hurt one year, but averaged 18, 16, and 14 in consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't have, it. I mean, well, it'll get to the point that it does every year that it's, well, somebody's got to lose. Yep. So, and as we've established a gajillion times on this podcast, you and I fundamentally think about the NCAA tournament section differently mm-hmm. um but i have i have 10 of those teams you could convince me that i need to have maryland on that one um northwestern i don't have on okay um because it's really hard for me to get past the whole like like i hear you but they lost pete nance <laughs> like I, yeah. I i do i do hear you um but i just find it so hard like in all of the ways i can see teams 8 through 12 shaking out like I just don't see a way in which Northwestern ends up being the ninth team, which is probably what you need to end up yeah. being to have a chance to At make the, the tournament. Yeah, it's certainly not going to be ten. My justification is the last time Northwestern had an okay season. Now, granted, it was a good, not an okay season. They were okay last year. Uh-huh. The next season was the one they made the NCAA tournament. That when Chris Collins sort of got that next step going and brought that team back, mm-hmm. they delivered. Yep. This is not the same conversation because that team was much better. <laughs> that team was supposed to make the NCAA tournament and actually did. Mm-hmm. This team, I'm not quite there with. And like you said, you lost your best player. But that is the other justification I have. Remember two years ago? Was it two years ago that... I think it was two years ago. I remember yes. when Northwestern yes. started like 5-0. and oh, And then they played a bazillion ranked teams in a row. Who did they beat? They beat somebody and it was like, oh my gosh, Northwestern. Um... Right, they started, They started. let's see, one, two, three, four. That's right. They played their three-game stretch of, they yep. started conference play with ones over Michigan State, Indiana, and, Iowa, and Ohio State. Yep. And then they literally didn't win another conference game until February. Yeah. They lost like 12 in a row. Yep. Because that stretch went, after they beat Ohio State, they went Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin. Yep. That's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven <laughs> consecutive ranked teams. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to. I had to. I had. To, I wanted to remember that with yeah. you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun times. Um, I've got ten teams ma- that have a chance to make the tournament. Um, just for the sake of saying them, I'll say them. Um, just so we add all the other ones to the to the group. I've got Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Michigan State, Purdue, Rutgers, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Those are the ten teams on my list. Okay. With Maryland eleventh and Northwestern twelfth. Um, and Minnesota or Nebraska are not making the tournament. Can we defend it? You're not going to Fred Hoiberg me again this year, right? No, no. That went too poorly last time. Okay. Perfect. Now, part of that was the the injury to Trey McGowan's, but also they were just really bad in Big Ten play, and they didn't beat good teams. No. But then they won three straight road games to end the regular season. Yeah, I forgot I about I that. I understand, yeah. I'd forgotten about that, too. <laughs> it was bizarre. But, yeah, um... There were I teams feel... tanking for Victor Wembanyama. That's what was happening. <laughs> I feel bad for Jamison Battle. He's going to have a really good season for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yep. If Dawson Garcia is not a top 15 player in the conference, yeah, they got no shot. I'll and also be surprised if he's not back home. Top 15 player in the conference, though? I think he's going to be good and better than he has been. And closer okay, maybe to not he top 15. If he's not one of the... If he's not kind of in that conversation for one of the better bigs in the conference, actually, sure. after those top three guys, maybe that's a better way to put it. 
I'll be like I think he's going to produce. Yeah. I think he's in a better situation just personally. Yeah, absolutely. Than, than he was yeah. at UNC. Because to me, he we're now on, we're now in year three, by the way, of and a third different team. Yeah, for what it's worth. Any hope with that roster starts with having two All Big Ten guys. Yeah, that they're not going to get the help they need outside of that. Even the and even that might not be enough because of who you're playing. And yet, um, Nebraska lost five of their seven leading scorers. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's a worse team on paper than last year's. And um, that's that's tough. I'm not convinced they're going to win a conference game. Mm. Mm. If you had to make me pick, I like Sam Griesel. I mean, not 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 in a any not in a you put up numbers not in a that's going to translate to anything way. But I like Sam Griesel. I'm kind of a fan. Juwan Gary from Alabama. I mean, they. It's not like they're completely devoid of talent, no. but last year's team was much better than Blaise that. Blaise Kata, Juco transfer? Yeah, the, the last year's team just it, it didn't happen for them. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about all of this is the other reason I'm willing to throw all these teams into the NCAA tournament conversation is because I'm just not very scared of anybody. If I'm right, if I'm Penn State, if I'm Northwestern, if I'm Maryland, yeah, somebody has to lose, but there are also a lot of games you can go get. Especially at home. There's yeah, not a team exactly. in the conference I'm, I right. would write off Northwestern not beating at Right, all. and that's really all you have to do and get a couple road wins, right? And you should beat Maryland, and you should beat Penn State if you get at least three games against those two teams. Or not Penn State, sorry, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. If you get three games against those two teams at least, I, I could see a world in which we have Two or three teams that separate themselves, a tier two that's you know ten and eight or something, mm-hmm. a bunch of teams hovering around five hundred. Whether that's the or no, sorry, twelve and twelve and eight. It's twenty games now. Yeah. You know, you're eleven and nine to nine and eleven or eight and twelve somewhere in there, and then Nebraska and Minnesota at the bottom. Minnesota, by the way, who actually had a good start to last season, then it all fell apart. But Northwestern gets one game against uh, Nebraska. Okay. So that is slightly unfortunate. I'm just looking. They get one game against Minnesota, too. That's tough. That's a tough break. That's tough. But it gives you more chances for quality wins. You know, so that was the other thing. I it's, I think you're going to have a lot of teams between 7 and 12 conference wins. Okay. And depending on how – I mean, if, right, if Michigan State ends up being an 8-win conference, conference team for some reason mm. – there's still a chance they make the NCAA tournament because of their non-conference schedule. Right. That doesn't necessarily apply to the other teams we're talking about really in this conversation. But th- that's the other justification is I just – I'm not scared of anybody. So I can see all of these teams finding a way to put together 10, 11 conference wins. And if you do your job in non-con, that's going to be enough, assuming the Big Ten isn't atrocious. Yeah. So I am very excited about the middle of this conference. <laughs> what What – Give me your temperature on the following. Only six teams make the tournament because the conference itself is so bad. Quote, unquote, so bad. Yeah. Relatively speaking, so bad. I'll say it's seven, not six. I I find it hard to believe the Big Ten is only going to get six. I th- that, that, would be a, that would be a wild drop. Yeah. But I could see a world in which it's seven. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue— because everybody else is just kind of blah, and they're a bunch of NIT teams. I could see that, especially if you don't have... Now, the flip side to not being scared of anybody is you also need quality wins. Right. <laughs> and if 
you don't have anybody in the top 10 consistently, right. it becomes more difficult to do that. I, yeah, I find I, it's going to be between seven and nine. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But if you told me it was going to be six, I wouldn't be stunned. If you, if you told me it was six and there were nine teams that normally, like that going that record in conference and being the ninth mm. team would normally get you in. Mm-hmm. Like I, like like I don't ACC necessarily think season. they'll be actually, like the ninth team will have any worse of a record than yeah. normally. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't be stunned if the resume yep. just isn't there in yep. a way that, like like if if the number nine team, if whoever finishes ninth has the exact same resume that Indiana had last year. Yep. I don't think that team's making the tournament. This I year. would probably agree. It, it's the Wake Forest problem from last season. Right. You look at that resume and you go, "How in the world did they not make the NCAA tournament?" Right. Well, the ACC was really bad. Right. Yes, that is a, that is a fair point. Sure. Um, who's your winner? Illinois. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page here, dude. I <laughs> I, was, I really thought you were about to come in here and pick IU, and I'm I sur- really didn't think you were on the. I didn't think you were on that wavelength. I'm glad. Okay, I was gonna say actually. I'm surprised you thought I was gonna do that, but well, I, I well, said you were gonna what, be. Well, mad I wasn't me. surprised. I I would have. I yeah. didn't think you were headed that <laughs> until direction. I said something. Until you said something, yes. <laughs> and you know how much I don't like the the hype that this IU team is getting. Yeah, uh, I refuse to pick Indiana on principle. Yes, yes. Until it actually happens. Yes. And I honestly just think Illinois has the better roster. That too. <laughs> I love that. And by the way, not, it's, not uh, by much. But if you ask me which group I'd rather have, I'll take Illinois. And the other part of this is... 44 Big Ten wins in the last three years. 44. Yeah. Brad Underwood knows how to win in this conference. And it's not like this little experiment with all of these new pieces has to go perfectly for them to win. Your margin of error is quite large. Pretty big. Because I just don't see anybody winning 16 conference games. Right. Now, granted, I think 15-5 and five was the best record last season between the teams that, that shared the title. But it could be 14 this year. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you have to be spectacular unless somebody shocks us. I just don't see that yes. happening. Wisconsin, yeah. Illinois. 15 to, five. 15 to 5. Right? That Purdue team last year lost six Big Ten games. It's it's just a conference that beats itself up every right. single season. So even that if doesn't, you, that's not going to mean as, as that's not going to be as highly talked about this year. Right. At least I don't think. Yeah, no, because it's not the same gauntlet. You know, you're not going to have that Northwestern stretch where you play seven straight ranked opponents after beating, I think it was, two ranked opponents in three conference games. Correct. That just doesn't, it's not going to exist, at least nope. at the beginning. No. Nope. So even if you get 80 to 90% of what this Illinois team could be, to me it's still enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got Illinois as well. Because I refuse to pick Indiana. And Illinois is the only other team that you should really be considering so I'm, i won't regurgitate everything i said because we've talked about those teams a lot already so uh indeed i was going from a nine and eleven last year like i'll just go ahead and pick the team that yes is is different from last year but illinois some version of them won 15 games last year yep the same indiana team as this year the same I mean, unless you actually think Jalen Huchifino is worth six Big Ten wins, which would be a silly thing to suggest of any freshman. Especially on one as experienced as this team, where there are just guys ahead of right. you in the pecking order. Right. Um, that's a ludicrous thing to suggest. Just So I, I just 
I will believe it when I see it, and I will gladly, you know, get my foot out of my mouth if it happens. But I am more than comfortable placing, you know, putting my flag in that that's not going to happen. And there is another team to point to. That's the other part of this for me is it's not like I went, okay, so I refuse to pick Indiana. So let me just put my hand into the the bag and pick a Big Ten team that's going to win. Right. That's fair. You know, I just think Illinois is the best team in this conference too, even if... Indiana had 12 conference wins last season instead of nine. Yep. So, yeah, I'll take the... I'm with you that continuity is important, but this idea that you can just take the same group and go from borderline NCAA tournament team to best team in the Big Ten when, you know, very quietly, Brad Underwood has started to dominate this conference. Mm-hmm. Right? It's been a Michigan here, a Purdue there, a Wisconsin there kind of thing. For the last few years, it's been Illinois. Right, but nobody's been more consistent than Illinois. Right. The track record is there. The talent is there. The coach is there. 31-9 and nine in this conference in the last two years. Yeah. I... Oh, right. And the Illinois fans will tell you they should have won it two years in a row because of the whole yes. uneven games thing with Michigan. Correct. Even though by win percentage, Michigan, Michigan was yes. better in the Big Ten. We don't need to rehash all of that. That's so I'm, weird. I don't have to think too hard about this. We we will need to do a a full written apology to IU. I think if they win, I do think I think Mike Woodson and that group deserves it if they actually pull this off. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll write it together. We'll, we'll write it. We'll produce yep. it. We'll co-host it. Okay. Yep. But not until that <laughs> happens will we write, produce, Correct. and co-host it. Correct. Um, you got anything else? That was a lot. That was a lot. If you're still here, we appreciate you. Um, but lots to get to and and strangely passionate about the outcome of this conference this year. I'll admit. Strangely, strangely confident about it. Um, that's the Big Ten. Hopefully, you know, we got to pretty much everybody. I believe we did get to everybody in some some fashion. Even you, Fred Hoiberg, down there at the, in the very, very bottom of this It conference. was Nebraska's best season under Fred Hoiberg, I will say that. Not that that's saying all that much, but... You know, ten and twenty-two, ten and twenty-two, four and sixteen in conference. Hey, listen, we were five hundred coming into the season. Or no, we were better. No, we weren't. No, four and sixteen, four, ten and twenty-two, four and sixteen. You would have been six and six, right? And, and again, remember, four of those wins came at the very end of this. Three of those wins came right. at the very end of the season. Fine. But if you look back at the last listen, two- listen, nobody has won more games in their last four games in this <laughs> conference than Nebraska. That's that's the takeaway here is that they are three and one in their last four. Okay, that's all. That's the takeaway here. Um, please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the YouTube; it is over there in that corner. Just put in Jays for Days Pod in the YouTube search bar and you can find us there. Uh, find all of our uh, previous uh, conference previews and conversations there as well. Um, and we'll be back at the end of this week to chat uh, to chat who, Big Ten Hoops uh, and as a further extension of this week of the preview with uh, Kevin Sweeney, um, College Basketball Central, Sports Illustrated. I'm excited to have him on the pod. That'll be at the end of this week. 
But uh, we will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays Today's podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you 